Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. While they're exiting, turn to John chapter 20 is where we'll be reading from this morning. I'm glancing around to see who snuck in in the dark today. There's always new faces when the lights come up. Again, welcome this morning. It is so good to see you. We have prayed over this day. Uh, Wednesday night, our gathering, we prayed over everything we could think of. We made a list of everything to, to pray about today. Um, we've been praying for you specifically all week. Because I know once you make a decision, hey, I think I'll go to church Sunday, man, everything will come out of the woodworks to keep you from coming. Bless her heart, just ask Miss Dorothy when she gets back, right? Um, she, I talked to her, I think it might have been yesterday, and bless her heart, it's just the pain that she's having to deal. She, she did crack three ribs and, and a vertebrae. Um, so over the next several weeks, ladies, if you want to just bless her with some meals here and there, please do so. She doesn't have a big appetite as of yet, um, so don't take anything just huge to her just yet. Um, and she has family with her this weekend, um, so, so she said she was good with meals for the weekend. But uh, beyond that, we will uh, begin to love on her. So uh, again, welcome. If maybe you came in after announcement time, there are cards in the back of the pew called connection cards. It just gives me a, a way to contact you. Um, and if you want to fill those out, and then you'll leave them at the back table on your way out today. You know, as pastor... This is like Super Bowl Sunday for the church, just so you know, okay? Like, it's Resurrection Day for everybody except pastors. This is the day that just about kills us and buries us. We're so tired by the end of the week, I'm just telling you. But it's like a Super Bowl Sunday for church. Because I want you to think about this. How many of you got new uniforms for today? You got a new dress. Come on, ladies. Come on. Loud and proud. Raise your hand if you got a new dress for Easter or a new shirt. Go ahead, Ben. There you go. Sorry, Ben, I didn't, I didn't mean to leave the guys out of this as well. Men, how many of your women bought you new clothes for today? There you go. So you got the new uniforms, right? Um, how about advertisements? Anybody notice all the, the churches flooding your Facebook this past week with Easter advertisement, right? So all the, the commercials come out. How about we have our own victory cry for game day, right? So when I say he is risen... You say, he is risen indeed. You ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Super Bowl Sunday, I'm telling you. And then if you're lucky enough, when you leave here today, the biggest tailgate party of the year takes place at grandma or mom's house or somebody's house today, right? There's a ham in the, I got a ham in my oven right now waiting for when we get home, whenever that'll be, right? Super Bowl Sunday. But I tell you, today, Resurrection Sunday, this is the defining moment of Christianity today. This is what sets us apart from all other religions. It's a great day of celebration. Jesus is alive. Sin and death have been defeated. Oh, I got two people excited about that. Man, I'm excited because you know what? I know it's been a rough year. It's been a rough couple of years. It's been a rough month for some of us. 
grief, we've lost loved ones. But because of what we celebrate today, when our loved ones know Jesus Christ, we know exactly where they are. They are alive and well and celebrating in a way. I saw your post, Granny. She's got the biggest smile today because she's been waiting on this day. We celebrate here because we know they celebrate there. Now, don't make the mistake. I don't want you to think that resurrection is something that we only celebrate one time of year. Okay, let me just clue some of you all in. Did y'all know we do this 50 time, 52 times a year? i just making sure y'all know because some of you think that we do it on Easter and we do it on Christmas. We do it 50 other Sundays out of the year. We do. Why? Because that's what Sunday is about. Every Sunday we celebrate the risen Lord. And the power of the resurrection was not something that just happened on that one day. You see, on that one day, it released the power of the resurrection into the world so that you and I can partake of that as well. And it was the, the power that was being just unleashed on Resurrection Day. Now, I want to read with you out of John 20. Yes, I got new glasses. No, I have not sunk to the bifocal level yet. We're working on that. <laughs> not sure I can get there yet. Jaylee told me this morning, she said, I didn't know you wore glasses. I said, I've worn them every day, baby. But I guess my others without the rim, she never paid attention to the glasses on my face. John 20, chapter 1. Early on Sunday morning, or the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Now, how many of you, I got up early this morning before the sun rose. And I thought, yay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch pictures. There was no sun this morning, was there? Now, the sun still came up. We have daylight, but I didn't get those glorious pictures. And it made me stop and think about this first Sunday. Maybe there wasn't anything extraordinary about it when they left the house that morning. Have you thought about that? Have you thought that for them it felt like just another day? So early on that morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb and they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus from head, head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus had said that he must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. 
She turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Lord, this is your word, alive and active, and may it change us today because of who you are. So first off, I got to tell you, I love Peter and John. You know, if we've been watching The Chosen together, then you know how these characters have seemed to really come to life for us. Last night we were watching the movie Risen, and Alex was like, is this, is this like Chosen? I was like, oh no. I was like, Chosen has really kind of put everything in its place because Chosen has just brought the Bible to life. And so as I was reading this on Peter and John, I cannot help but kind of get tickled because I see the competition they have amongst them. Because you you notice how many times John likes to say he got there first. Like we ran. Like when it talked about him running, I actually envisioned Jackson and Jake running to see who's going to get to the gate first and open it up for daddy, right? That's what I, I kind of see. But what I want to really look at is Mary today. There in the garden, we see a huge theological truth of our faith. And that truth is that sin, that the sin that entered the original garden back in Genesis... Remember Genesis and and Adam and Eve and, and Eve ate that fruit and it brought sin into the world. It brought death into the world. And that's where it began. But here we see in the garden of the resurrection that the death of Jesus has now brought what? Life. Life has been redeemed. That's a huge theological concept, right? And in verse 15, Jesus, I mean, Mary actually thought that Jesus was who? The gardener. And guess what? He is. Because if you, if you ever go back and read John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word had already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, which means Jesus was in that original garden helping God create everything there was. He is the gardener. But now, Mary's grief and her headspace, let's talk about that. Because although we see this great truth of the Bible, Mary didn't see that. She was too darkened in her grief for the moment, right? She would not have seen this truth. We have the advantage, people, that we get to look at the scriptures and we get to pour over them and we get to study them and we get to try to pull these concepts out. She was living the scriptures. So she didn't see this big truth happening. All she knew 
was what had been lost. Have you ever lost anything? Come on, let's be truthful. Who's lost anything? I expect today they're going to do this Easter egg hunt. We've put it indoors because of the possibility of rain today. And so um, I expect, I'm looking, I really don't know who Thomas, Alex, are they the ones hiding? Where, uh, yeah, maybe, okay. So that means they're going to hide some pretty good probably. So I'm going to highly expect for days and weeks and maybe months to come to find eggs in those classrooms. And the reason I know this to be true, not too long ago, Amy was over cleaning at the parsonage and she sent me a picture. And on one of the back windows of the parsonage was two eggs stuffed in the crack. And I believe from the picture, you can even still see the wrapper of the candy that was inside the eggs. People, we haven't done an Easter egg over there since 19, so that's three years ago. And we still got Easter eggs that nobody found over there. So I feel like they're going to lose some Easter eggs back there. Another thing, the other day, I'm, I'm horrible. I, I lost my glasses. I searched my house for like 10 minutes. I mean, like I'm, I don't know about you. I just have certain places I lay my glasses. That helps me reduce down the amount of times I will lose them. Alex always tells me to pat my head first because I've lost them on top of my head. So, and I did, I patted my head and they're not there. So I thought, okay, I've laid them down. So I'm searching the house. I'm trying to leave. I'm trying to get out of the house and I can't drive without glasses. And so I'm searching, I'm searching 10 minutes and I, I'm just stopping. I'm like, Lord, you know where these glasses are. Can you help me find them? I had hooked them on my shirt, which I never do. That's, that's just not a place I put them. And so why would I look there, Right. Yeah, 10 minutes wasted, and they were hanging on my shirt the whole time. But Thomas always reminds me, my most epic moment of losing something was the time that I lost Alex. Now, moms, you understand the scariness if you lose a child, right? Like the panic, and, and I was panicked, and I, I was fixing to hit a panic attack, and I'm, I'm getting very disturbed. We were at an event, and lots of kids everywhere, and I can't see Alex, and I'm, I'm panicking, and he's giving me that look until I finally realized my son was sitting on my lap. I lost my son on my lap. He was only maybe three, but he had just gotten so still, which was not an Alex thing, right? And he had been going back and forth between Brittany and the big kids sitting up front and coming back to us, and he had just gotten really still. And I honestly looked up. I didn't see him anywhere, and I was, I was in a panic because it was a, a district event, so there was tons of kids everywhere. And so I'm panicking, going, Thomas, I've lost Alex. And he's just looking at me. He's just looking at me. And I'm getting mad at him, by the way. Because he's not understanding the severity of this. Like, he's not where he's supposed to be. And then it hit me. My son is in my lap. You see, headspace is everything. Where your mind and your thoughts go is everything. And so Mary that day... Huh, let me ask this. Have you ever lost Jesus? Have you ever lost Jesus? Because see, that day Mary was distraught because she didn't know where the body was. Think about what Mary had went through on that week. Let's think about her headspace. 
In one week's time, they had rode in with Jesus for the triumphal entry, right? Everything was on track, like, yeah, this is it. This is where he's going to announce his kingdom. He's going to release us from the oppression. So they're on a super high. And it only takes a matter of days to hit a super low. Because then the next thing is somebody that they consider a friend, somebody who has traveled in the inner circle, betrays them and betrays Jesus and takes his own life. Come on, folks. You know they were grieving Judas. And let me give you a mini-sermon. This ain't in the notes. This is a mini-sermon. I know we've been seeing on uh, Facebook, we share this post about Judas ate at the table. This came out a few years ago. And I like this concept because the, the point of this was at the Last Supper, knowing that he would betray Jesus, Jesus still allowed him at the table. Another theological truth that all are welcomed at the table of Jesus. But let me warn you on something that I saw so many times this week. So many people said, I'm so glad for this. I am Judas. No, you're not. You know in the garden where uh, Satan come along and he took scripture and twisted it just minutely enough for Eve? That is what Satan is doing with this concept. Don't ever claim that you are Judas. Because if you go back and read where Jesus says, somebody at this very table is going to betray me. He said, let me tell you that for the person that betrays me, it would be better if they had never been born. That's how horrible the consequence was going to be for Judas. If you're going to claim something, claim to be a Peter sitting at that table. He still betrayed Jesus, didn't he? He ran and hid. Even when Jesus told him what was going to happen, he still failed. But he got redeemed. Judas didn't get redeemed, folks. So be careful. You speak death and life. Be careful what you claim. And understand that the concept of Judas ate at the table is everybody is welcomed at Jesus' table for an opportunity of salvation. But not everybody will take it. Be careful what you claim. So Mary has been through this week. So, you know, great high. We're on the triumphal entry. Now Judas has betrayed us and and things are starting to fall apart. And because of that betrayal, then she sees Jesus arrested. He's beaten beyond recognition, people. And then she watches him take his last breath on that cross. What a week. Can anybody in here testify to having those kind of weeks? Where in just a blink of an eye, you go from this super high of how good life is to this humbling moment of, I don't understand anything. And yet, in verse 13, look at that, it said, in 13 and 14, in that area, why are you Well, duh. It's been a really bad week. (laughs) Hadn't you been listening to what's going on? 
You know, sometimes we feel that way when we think, well, well people, haven't you seen anything on Facebook? And do you not know what's going on? Well, no, actually I don't because the algorithm may not have put it on there. Remember that before we start telling people they should know things. So it doesn't bother me that she didn't recognize Jesus. Because I want you to think about this. It's not really hard to believe because when we are grieving, life is a very dense fog. When you are grieving and you are sitting at a funeral, the odds are pretty great that several weeks from now, you may or may not remember a single face that passes by you. Other than your one or two most precious people beside you, you may not know who was there. Mary was in that moment, remember, that weekend of grief. So it does not surprise me at all that she would not recognize Jesus. And especially since the last time she's seen him, he was unrecognizable, right? When we are in our own dark moments, we don't think God is there, do we? Just like she feels like she's lost her Lord. How many of us can testify that in our own dark moments of what life has thrown at us, we're not sure God was there? You know, studies have shown that in time of grief, our brains actually shut down. It's a preservation mode. It shuts down to where we don't think of all the peripherals. We are just in a mode of taking care of things that are survival. We try to eat. We try to sleep. We try to remember to breathe. Have you ever been there where you, just the next moment, God, help me breathe? <laughs> like, I can't think beyond that moment. So for Mary, maybe she's in that shutdown moment. And so for her, she's just walking through the motions. And she's gathering spice up that morning to take and put on the body. Why? Because it's just, it's what she knows to do. One step in front of the other. How many times have we cried out, God, I don't know where you are. How, how do I find you in this? Because she cries out to, to the gardener, to Jesus, is, wherever you put the body, just tell me and I'll go find it. How many times in those dark moments do we cry out, God, I don't know where you are, but if you'll just give me some little bit of hope to cling to, I'll find you. I'll find you. Verse 16, though, is one of my favorites. I know, I know. Everything's favorite. Genesis to Revelation. I say it all the time. But as I read through this over and over this week, I cried every time. Because all he did was say her name. Mary. Light bulb moment. She knew exactly who he was. He didn't give her a big long lecture of, hey woman, why didn't you know who I was? Do you not know me? Mary. And he knew at that moment, she knew it was the Christ. 
Church, what happens when Jesus calls your name? Because see, as I'm reading, everything changed for Mary in that one instant. She went from the grieving friend, the grieving disciple, to now so much excitement. Because once Jesus calls your name, everything changes. That's why I don't like the thought of you saying, I'm Judas, I'm, I'm so glad I get to sit at the table. No, because if you are a Christian, you have changed. You've been redeemed. And you should walk away from that life and be different. She's now a disciple and she's now an evangelist because Jesus, what? He tells her to go, right? She's changed. I want you to think about this. You see, Easter Sunday is one of the favorites for us female pastors because why? Mary was the first one that got to go tell the good news. Hmm. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we know, we've seen that on Facebook too. Now, I want you to think about this. Why? Because Peter and John, who think they're Jesus' favorite, they were at that tomb. He could have revealed himself to them. Because they looked in, they saw Jesus is not here, like there's all these clothes laying around, but he's not here, and we don't understand. And, and they, they left, they went back. But when she looks in, what happens? Angels are there. Jesus could have revealed himself to Peter and John. But he revealed himself to Mary and said, now I need you to go tell that I'm alive and well and I'm going to ascend to the Father and tell him to meet up with me. This is a big moment for her because it's another point. We've been talking for several weeks about how Jesus does things different. Do you understand how different this was for him to speak to a woman, to tell such an important fact to? Because in the culture, her word would have meant nothing. In a court of law, her witness meant nothing because she was a woman. So in culture, he spoke to the least listened to person in that group with the very most important message of all eternity. And it changed who she was from that moment on. He does things different. But Jesus said, you're going to be my witness, Mary. And oh, I can imagine, you know, she's went from a high to a low, back to a high, and she's clinging. I love that. Don't cling to me, because I'm a hugger. I tried to hug as many as I could as y'all came in this morning, like... I can only imagine the excitement of her, and she's just like, he's alive, and, and he's like, whoa, hold on, don't clean yet, don't, you know, give me my space, my bubble, <laughs> you know. Mainly because he's got work for her to do. You need to understand that when Jesus says, don't cling to me, it's because when we become a believer in Christ, there's work to be done. Not work for our salvation, work for the kingdom to do. You know those moments we love to cling to? That first moment where you remember getting saved. Maybe you don't remember a date, a time. I, I have no idea the date, time. I just remember location. I was in my bedroom all by myself reading things that my aunt had given me and I'm trying to discern things and I didn't understand everything she had given me to read. I'd been reading for weeks on uh, her old Sunday school material and I didn't understand everything. 
but I understood enough. I understood who Jesus Christ was. And I understood that no one gets to heaven without him. Didn't matter how good I was or tried to be. You have to have Jesus Christ to get to heaven. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And in that moment, I said a little prayer. It was one, I think, that they had in that Sunday school book that I thought, okay, this is what I pray. And I prayed it earnestly. And I remember that, just that glow, that moment, feeling like I had done something. Like, I, I knew. But now, nobody discipled me. So I just kept living life my way. I just clung to that moment of, I got my ticket punched. I'm good. Now fast forward to college and I'm newly married and, and things just still felt off. I had a good life. There was nothing bad. You know, sometimes we, we think that it takes a bad moment to bring somebody to Jesus. No, life was good. I just knew there was something still empty. So again, alone in a bedroom with the Bible and things I'd been reading, I said, God, I, I don't know what all is missing, but I know doing life my way isn't enough. Something is missing. Take my life. Make it yours. So in that moment of, of sanctification, and within a year, God had us moved here. Man, that's a scary prayer when you say, God, here's my life. Because he says, I've been waiting for that one. Let's go, you know. But see, we cling to those moments thinking that's all it is. And Jesus is over here going, whoa, 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 I need you to go do something for me. I need you to go tell people who I am. You see, resurrection that we celebrate today, it's not to be hoarded in and kept just for me. I should be sharing it with others. Some of you this morning, you've been clinging to those certain moments. I'm good. I got saved. I remember getting sanctified. I'm all good. But I'm telling you, let go and keep growing. Let go and see where God will lead you and where he wants to use you in the service of the kingdom. Resurrection, if you get it, then you should be excited. You should be excited. Don't cling, don't hoard it. Jesus said, your purpose for the kingdom is not finished, Mary. I need you to go tell the guys, I'm alive, I'm well, we're going to meet up before I head back home. And here's the, here's the kicker. If we are resurrection people, we need to be living life as such. It should change how you live. You should be living a life that is walking through hard things, but still with hope. You see, because living the Christian life is not going to make your life easier. In fact, I hate to be the bearer. Sometimes it makes it harder. Just because sometimes that brings other opposition into our life. Because you still have an enemy even when you are saved. He cannot take your salvation away from you. Somebody needs to hear this. The enemy cannot take your salvation away from you. You're the only one that can walk away from that. God won't take it away. The devil can't take it away. You're the only one that can turn your back on God and walk away. 
But we need to be living a resurrection life, even through hard things. Living like it matters, doing the hard things, uh, going unexpected places. Living a resurrected life means we do not fear the worst places in life. So you're right. At that table with Jesus Christ, all people are welcomed. And we should never shut that door on anyone. I don't care what you know about them. I don't care what their history is. The worst of the worst. We see the worst of the worst in the Bible. King David, who we hold up, you need to go back and read a story. He wasn't all that great. But he repented and he got redeemed. The table is open. So, so we don't fear going into the worst of the places. I love in June we will have um, a missionary from South Africa. There was a pastor in South Africa. Her, um, her mom is very well known to walk around town and if she sees somebody that she feels like God is nudging her heart to go tell the gospel to, she just goes up to them and says, hey, we need to chat. And when she's walking by the bar... She will get nudged with somebody's name. She walks into the bar, gives them a tap on the shoulder, and she says, step outside with me. I think we need to have a chat. And she's well known in her community for doing this. They know that when God puts your name on her heart, you in trouble. She will seek you out and she will find you. And no hard places scare her at all. That's living the resurrected life. And church, listen, we declare every day to people, through our lives, our words, our actions, that even the most forgotten people are welcomed at the table with Jesus. What we post on Facebook will either pull people to Jesus or push them away when they know we're Christians. Now, we talk about the spirit of Christmas so much more. Like, we want to do Christmas year-round. I think we need to flip-flop that. Can we do Easter year-round? Because it's resurrection that changed everything. It is resurrection that changed how everybody worshipped the Lord. Where all are welcomed at the table, where all are offered redemption. Because you see, when I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, then my whole life is about glorifying Him. And spoiler alert, sometimes that means some of me needs to go away because it's not glorifying God. But here's the good news. He has given me so much more than I have ever lost. I have never sat down a day in my life and thought, man, if I hadn't been a Christian, I could have done this. Man. In fact, Thomas and I sat the other day making a list of memories with our children, and 98% of those memories are related to because we serve God. This happened in our life that allowed us to do this. I'm just telling you, it's a ride you won't ever regret. Resurrection is not something that happened one time. We celebrate it in everything that we do. Yes, yes, springtime is the time. This is the time we celebrate it. But it's the way that we live. 
We live in ways to breathe new life. We, we look for the Holy Spirit where he's working, and then we say, God, is there something I can do to be a part of that? So when you see something working in, in church, whether, whether you're uh, attending here normally or maybe you attend somewhere else and you see something happening, God, can I be of help in this area? I'm telling you, as a pastor, if people just started knocking on my door saying, Pastor, what can I do? I'd cry. I would cry. <laughs> because there's never a pastor that I talk to that has too much help. I have never heard a pastor say that. Whether it's in our children's ministries, the teen ministry, women's ministry, our Wednesday night ministry. Knock, knock, I still need a van driver for Wednesday night. There's always something that needs to be done in the kingdom. But not just inside these walls. Do you understand that? You see, inside these walls will grow the moment outside these walls. You say, God, what can I do? Where can I be of service for you? Another thing, when we're resurrected people, share your testimony with people. Now, if I said, will you go share the gospel, you all get scared. But you know the gospel because the gospel saved your life. Share your story with someone. Today we declare Christ is risen. What's our chance? Our chant that we do, he is risen. All right, y'all are still awake. Good deal, good deal. But you know what? Like Mary, don't cling to that too hard today. Now I want you to go and tell somebody. Tell somebody why you bought the new uniform for today. Tell somebody why you go to grandma's on Easter and you have a big meal. Tell somebody that Easter is not just the candy in the baskets or the eggs. Tell them it is Jesus Christ who was risen from the dead. Tell them it's about the, the Savior who came and he bled and he died. But see, the cross was a penalty paid. The tomb was everything being broken free. That's, you know, we like to hang crosses. I think we need to hang open tombs up. I know that sounds kind of weird, right? I need to get Jake to draw me that picture right there. Because we need to let people know this is what makes us different. Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning, church. Now our kiddos are back there, I know, doing... Thomas, just go give them a heads up that we're praying so that they just know to finish up. Okay. Okay, so they're, they're finishing their little crafts. They're going to do their... Um, Easter egg hunt, moms, dads, grandmas, whoever brought the little ones. We have gift bags for them in the, uh, I think the fellowship hall. The bags are? Okay, okay. Ask Thomas, he knows where everything is. I don't know. I have no idea this morning. Um, he's been so great. He is the best first man ever. I'm just telling you guys, he was up here with me yesterday still doing things and, and lining the chairs up, making sure they were straight for you this morning. He has been so awesome. Church, whether you've been here every day since you were born, maybe you're new today, but I want to make sure today you don't leave without Jesus Christ as your Savior. I never assume every person sitting in here knows the Savior. 
Jesus died on that cross for you. And he rose from that grave to break sin in your life, to break the the hold of death in our life, so that we have a hope. Death does not scare me. Oh, I don't want to die today. I still have a lot of baby Yodas to get in this life. But I'm not scared of it. Because the moment I fall asleep here, I know where I wake up. And there's a lot of great people waiting on me there. A lot of people are singing today. I know you grieve today for the ones you've lost, but can I give you a little hope? They are so much better than we are today. Oh, they are, they are in glory today. And, and down here on earth, maybe they got told once they couldn't dance, they up there dancing. I'm just telling you, David is showing them how it's done. And they are praising the Lord. Do you want that this morning, church? Do you want that hope for yourself? Then a simple prayer of God. I'm sorry. I didn't understand that I needed you. I'm sorry for the sin, the things that I've done, Lord. I want you as my Savior. If you've said that prayer just now, welcome to the family of God. All of heaven is roaring and clapping for you. But maybe today you say, you know, I remember that moment. I've clung on to that moment, but I'm here to let go. I want to see what God has from this day forward with me. There's more. Lord, we come today. I pray your spirit is working every pew right now. Because God, I believe that there are so many of us that we're not living the more. We're clinging on to just salvation. But God, you have more. And we need to go tell people. God, we need to tell people because that hope that we have for our loved ones where they've already gone on and we know where grandma is, we know where my mom and dad, they are today, Lord. But there are people out there. They don't know the hope. And if they die without you, Lord, it doesn't matter if they're good or good enough without Jesus Christ. There is no hope. So Lord, I pray for every person in here today. May your spirit begin to lift us into a boldness that begins to change who we are because of who you are. And it will change this church, this community. And God, I see so many faces visiting. That means that this message is going to change communities far outside of Wix, Arkansas today. And just like those early disciples in the early church, they've heard the message today. Now may they go forth and tell it to all around them. And all of God's people today said, Amen. Church, I love you. Go have a great tailgate party with your family today. Make sure to take family photos. If Thomas didn't grab you on the way in, he'll get you on the way out. And just be patient as your kids enjoy the rest of the facilities. Thanks. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.